This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Welcome everyone to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Alex Fitton and I am your host. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Ashley Peters. So Ashley's been married to Ryan for her husband for 12 years. Together, they have four kids, three bio and one foster daughter. And in between shuttling the kids to school and sports and visitation, Ashley runs an Instagram account where she talks Amazon finds, fashion deals, and all about her journey into foster care. So Ashley and I got to chat about the really hard parts of foster care and why she's willing to be so open and raw about their daily lives and struggles. And we also got to chat all things Mama Likes a Deal, a.k.a. my new favorite thing. You'll see why soon, I promise. Um, I'll give you details during the episode, but Ashley and I are teaming up for a giveaway and you're going to want to show up to this one. So be sure to listen to the whole episode and you'll get all the details soon. Okay, a couple of last things. Don't forget to join the Adoptive Mom community on Facebook if you're a mom, support system, future adoptive mom, really just a listener of the show, you're invited. And be sure to check check out the show notes for the link to sign up for emails from me every Monday at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email. Or like I said, it's in the show notes. I just have links everywhere for you guys. I'm raining links for y'all because I want you guys to be plugged in. Um, I think that's it. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Ashley. I have loved getting to know her. She is adorable and so fun. And you guys are going to love her. All right. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Like I said in my intro there, I'm sitting here with Miss Ashley Peters. I'm so excited to have you on. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here and to chat with you. Awesome. Well, why don't you just take a minute and introduce us to your family? Okay. Um, so my husband, Ryan, and I have been married for 12 years. We have four children. Um, three of them are our bio kids. Um, we have a daughter who's eight and then two boys that are seven and five. And then we have a foster daughter who is 16 months old. Wow. Okay. So your oldest two are just a year apart. So well, they're like pretty soon my oldest will turn nine and then okay. everyone's like just about two years apart. Yeah. Okay. So I got really excited. I was like, does she have accidental twins too? Cause my two youngest are like five months apart. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy pants and they'll be in the same, they're in the same class in school and everything. It's Stop. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But crazy. Yeah. Awesome, but crazy. <laughs> we're in the phase of the year right now where they're all different ages. So they're two, three, four right now, but then in April they'll be three, three, four. And so it's, they, they leapfrog oh over God. each other. Yeah. It's, it's, insane. Wild. it's crazy, <laughs> but you right now you have a seven and an eight year old. So you're, you're right yes. there. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, okay. So you are not an adoptive mom yet necessarily, but you are in this whole foster care journey. And so I want to hear why you guys got into that. Just tell us your story. Okay. Um, so after our last child, our last boy was born, um, he was about six months old and my husband was working graveyards. I was like home by myself every night. And, um, (laughs) I was literally like at probably one of the lowest points in my life as far as just feeling overrun. You know, none of the kids are in school yet. We're just like at home every day. I was like exhausted from motherhood and my husband knew that. Mm. And one night while he's working, I'm just sitting um, 
on my computer and I just kept feeling this desire to like do something else. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to like change something, but all I could think of is like, well, what could I do? You know, I'm, I'm a stay at home mom. So then I just kind of was like, well, I could be a mom to somebody who needs a mom. And so I told my husband, you know, I I'm thinking about foster care and he was like, you have lost your mind. You just told me that you're like treading water with the kids. And like, now you want to bring on another kid. And so that was kind of just the start of really like a three year journey of lots of conversation and research and prayer and talking to other friends that had fostered, um, that brought us to the decision of like, okay, I think we can do this. Wow. So yeah, it just kind of like came to you. That's not, that's insane. Right. Yeah. I was just like, okay, I think we can like help another kid. So let's do it. So is she your first foster kid or? Yes. So we, um, it took us about a year to get certified, to go through all the classes. And, um, once we were certified, it took about four months to get our first call, but our first call was really kind of like a temporary placement. And we knew we wanted to adopt if possible. Um, so we didn't take that one and she was the second call that we got. So we got a call for her in September of 2017. And do you want me to go into the whole story now? Can I just dive in, man? Okay. Okay. So, um, we got the call, um, in September and, um, they had said we have a newborn baby girl. Um, so she was born and tested positive for heroin and methamphetamine, which is like one thing. And then she started having withdrawal symptoms for those drugs. Mm -hmm. So we knew that she had, she was also addicted to those. So, um, by the time we got the call, she was already about a week and a half old, um, and had been on morphine. They were just kind of numbing the pain, trying to detox her. And so, um, we got the call and they said, you know, this case, they can never predict if you can adopt the goal of foster care will always be reunification. Um, but they told us this looks like a case that leans towards foster care. You know, mom and dad are both users. Mom's been using a really long time. And obviously we knew her drugs of choice were heroin and meth, which are just really, addictive drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, so they said, you know, this looks like a case that could lean towards adoption. So that's why we're calling you. So my husband and I were like, okay, here it is. This is our call. Let's do it. And so we, I, I mean, I told the social worker, I'll call you back. I called my husband. He was like, let's do it. I called her back. Like, okay, we're, we'll take her. Um, so at that point, all we knew is that she was a newborn, that she was born, you know, addicted to a few substances. Her mother was local and her father, um, also local, but, um, here from in, he lives or his home country is India. He was living in the States, but he's from India. So, um, we knew she would have some Indian in her and, um, So we were like, okay, let's do it. So they told me we would pick her up the next day. The next day I ended up not getting a call. They said, um, they called later way late in the night and said that she was showing withdrawal symptoms again. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't release her from the hospital. And obviously, I mean, we wanted, (laughs) we just wanted to hold her so bad. I feel like we'd been waiting, you know, that 24 hours, like we can't wait. And the doctor was like, you'll be much happier if we can get her all cleared of this before she comes home. We don't want her dealing with any of this at home, which I understand. So, um, we didn't go, I didn't go to get her until three days later. Um, and when I got to the hospital, the nurse was kind of like rushing me through. Um, I had to fill out paperwork, watch some videos and she was like kind of hurrying me. And then she said, her mother has visited her in the hospital every single day and she hasn't been here yet. And I don't want you to run into her. Mm. So I'm trying to hurry you out. That was like, that was a big blow for a couple of reasons. The first one, I had no idea her mom was visiting her every day. I just kind of assumed she left her. I didn't know I, nobody told me, you know, that her mom was super involved like that. Um, and then second that her mom didn't know she was being discharged, you know, as a mother, I'm just thinking that's also terrible. Um, and then of course, 
totally nervous about running into her at the hospital. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like. She has no idea. She's being discharged. Now here I am, stranger, holding her baby. So we ended up, I ended up getting out of the hospital just fine. Um, And that was on a Friday. Monday morning, the social worker called and was like, you need to call her birth mom. She's very upset. She didn't know she was being discharged and you need, you need to call her and connect with her. So I called her mom and she was really kind and respectful and just wanted to know how the baby was doing. Um, and we arranged to meet each other that afternoon at a public park. So we met at a park. So I guess I should have started with this. I went through what's called a foster family agency, which is an FFA. So, Instead of going through foster care straight through the county, I work with an agency that like helps support us um, really relationally, and they're kind of just an extra advocate for foster parents. So my FFA um, worker said, I'll meet you at this park. So the three of us met at a park, and um, man, I remember her mom was just way more like beautiful than I thought, like had makeup on, and she was so great with the baby. I mean, she, you know, held her, fed her, burped her, changed her diapers, all these things that I just kind of had this, I had a different view of her, you know, before I met her. Um, so anyways, we met for like two hours and then from there on out, um, we met every week. So the judge had ordered her mom 10 hours of visitation a week, which is like, that's a lot. So much more than we ever thought we were going to get. That was, that was really hard to manage at first. So I was, uh, supervising six of those hours and then we had someone else helping us with the other four. So I would, my husband would get home from work and I would go meet her like at the mall. Um, so we were indoors and, um, we would hang out for like three hours, twice a week. And, the more we hung out, the more I felt like she was a totally normal mom. Uh, you know, I started to feel like we're not going to be able to keep this baby, um, which sucked. I had a lot of anger. I was super angry with the social worker. Why did they give us this case? They knew we wanted an adoptive case. Um, and I just didn't, I wasn't at a place where I wanted to like, you know, fall in love with this baby for like four months and then give her back to her mom. That wasn't that wasn't what I thought our journey was going to be. I was really hoping, I guess, like how I kind of thought of myself. This is silly now that I say it, but almost like, oh, we're this superhero family and we're going to come in and rescue this baby from this really sad life and we're going to give her a better life. But in this situation, I really felt like we were being called to support her mom while she got healthy and we're going to give this little girl back. And So that, my attitude was really hard. It was hard to go into visitation feeling that way. Um, But after like two months, I got to a point of like, my husband and I were like, okay, maybe that's what this situation is. And there's something in it we're going to learn that we don't know yet. And we'll just support her mom. Um, And then the month of December hit when we were told we had to supervise all 10 hours on our own. We didn't have help anymore. And December, you know how crazy it is. Right. Um, so, and she got, and birth mom got a job. So I, she couldn't meet me till 6 PM. So Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 PM, I met her. I would literally make dinner for my family, leave my husband, my husband would come home. I would leave and I would hang out with her mom for two hours. And that was like the hardest month. I cried on the way to visitation every day. Every day I was crying, like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to just be her babysitter for her while she gets healthy. You know, this isn't what I thought. We're not going to be able to keep our baby. And so I kind of went back and forth with the social worker of like, this isn't what I thought. And she just kept telling me, like, you just have to hold on. And this is a lot of pressure, you know, on, on a birth mom that, you know, was an addict at one point, just hang in there. And Um, she kept telling me in January, we'll get you some relief. We'll get some help. And so January came and we did get a lot of help monitoring visitation. And all of a sudden mom's not showing up on time. Um, you know, she's running late. She shows up without shoes on, or she's frantic. She would text me and say, you know, so, um, I don't know how it is everywhere in the County in California and in orange County, we have to wait 20 minutes for, a birth parent to arrive before we can leave. So 
all of a sudden she's like begging me, Oh, I'm going to be like past the 20 minutes. Can you wait for me? And I'm thinking like, okay, this is what they were talking about. All of a sudden she's, she's late and she's frantic. Sometimes she would show up just crying and I would ask her like, is everything okay? Do you want to talk? And she would say no, no. And she would kind of pull it together and say, I'm okay. So that was kind of weird. And after like two weeks of that, she started going to the bathroom during our visitation for like 20, 30 minutes to the point where I started to feel like maybe she was using during our visits. Mm -hmm. Um, she, the social worker told me she was no longer drug testing. So in the beginning she was doing this drug testing and she wasn't doing it anymore. And so I let the social worker know, you know, the things on the visits are getting a little suspicious. Um, and it got to the point where mom started missing visits. And, um, so a social worker from our FFA stepped in and said, let me supervise a couple visits. And after that, she was kind of like, yeah, I think mom is using. And so we moved all of our visitation to a supervised center where there are like workers sitting in a room and they're watching birth parents. Um, cause it really got to the point where I just didn't feel comfortable. I don't, I mean, I was really worried sometimes like, am I going to have to go into the bathroom and is she going to be laying on the ground or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Or she would come back out and she would hold the baby and I'd be sitting on the edge of my seat, like ready to grab her just because she just seemed off. Things yeah. didn't seem as, as they were. And so that's kind of led us the last year has been a lot of that. Um, you know, her mom misses a lot of visitation. And I think we're at the point where we've really seen that her addiction is real and she definitely has desire. She's a great mother to her when they are together. I mean, she, she's, I shouldn't say she's older, but she's not young. A lot of people think, Oh, she's like a teenager. So she was 34 when she had the baby. She also has um, a 17 year old that her mother helps her raise. So motherhood is like, no, it's nothing new to her. It's not a surprise. Um, but now we're kind of on this journey where mom is, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and we're just kind of waiting. So I, it's a weird thing because I almost feel like mom doing well means good for us. But of course I don't want to wish ill for, for mom. You know, it's just this really weird emotional experience of, I want to keep this baby. You know, she's been in our life for 16 months now, but at the same time, if we get together, it's really because her mother fails and that's, that's tragic, you know, yeah. for, for her mom and, and for our baby. So it's just a really weird spot. Um, but with her missing so much visitation and she's kind of, uh, she's denied the services the County officer offers her like rehab, free drug testing. She's not doing any of that. So on mom's side, it really kind of feels like we're going to get to a point where the judge is just going to say, okay, you can't do it anymore. So we were kind of at that place. Now, meanwhile, dad was in custody. He got arrested a few days after baby was born and they found out he was here illegally um, and has been, he had been for like 20 years. Wow. So during the time that mom's starting to slip in her visits, I take baby to jail once a week so she can visit her dad. That was mandated by the judge. So I don't go into the jail. I would meet a social worker in the parking lot and that social worker would take her in and he couldn't hold her. You know, it was just like a glass, um, and he would just see her and they have a, you know, a phone to talk in, but she couldn't talk. She was an infant. Um, so we did that for about six months. Um, and then dad was deported. So dad's deported. Mom's not, you know, really going full throttle on her care plan. So we thought like, okay, this is it. You know, we're, we're likely going to be able to adopt her. Um, and so we went into the next court hearing and we filed some paperwork to be recognized as her legal guardians, um, which would also allow us into court. So we're not permitted in the hearings. We're not allowed to talk. Foster parents are, really just babysitters. They kind of ask you to stay out of the case. You take care of the child, you know, take them to the doctor, send us the medical reports, but we don't really care to hear your opinion. Our case is confusing enough. We don't want you in here. So we essentially filed this paperwork to say, look, it's been a year now. Parents aren't doing well. We want to step up. And we got a big fat slap on the wrist from the social worker in that courtroom. Um, 
who just essentially kind of told us you need to back off. We're going to work with social services in India to see if baby can go to India because dad completed some classes while he was in custody. And so that just floored us. I mean, we were rocked. So now you're telling me not only there's a chance we're not going to keep her, but you're going to send her to a foreign country with somebody she doesn't know with a language and culture that she knows nothing about after she's been with us, you know, for over a year. It, it's just wild. And so that's kind of the limbo of where we're at right now. Um, the county social worker is trying to coordinate with India to see if there's any way that they can work with social services there and kind of start drug testing dad, check up on his job, check out his home and do that. So we will see. Um, I still talk with dad. We, um, we do kind of like Skype. It's a, an international app that we can video chat with. We do that once a week. And, um, he texts me probably almost every day, um, just to check up on baby. So really we are in the middle of like, yeah, just major uncertainty. I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Wow. So yeah, you're in just a really hard spot and I, I fully understand like so much of what you've been saying. Like I, we had a drug addicted baby meth was mm-hmm. on that list and, um, he, they did send him home while he was withdrawing. Um, he was oh, after yeah. he was in the NICU for two weeks, um, uh. but he was still doing the tremors thing. And, um, and I mean, he's three now and we still see, I mean, I, I know, I don't, I'm not sure how old your daughter is now. Um, but I'm sure you still see the residual effects of some of those drugs and meth can be yes. cause so much anger and impulse control and just some of those things. And it's, it's crazy how deep that runs. Um, right. Yes. But yeah, I mean, those are just some really hard and lonely times as a mom to, to be the only one that sees this baby's pain, but then not be able to really do anything about it. Um, oh yeah. But also that feeling of, um, of not wanting to wish anyone ill will, but also really wanting that baby. And man, that's so hard because I, yes. yeah, I remember, um, toward the end of my son's case, cause we got him, it was a kind of an interesting situation. It, it wasn't, it was a foster placement, but it was like a pre-adoptive placement. Like they knew it okay. was going toward adoption, but we still had to like go through the case, you know, just right. to check the boxes. Um, but they, they told us like, this is an adoptive case. It was really interesting. Um, but I just remember being like, is my desire to keep this child meaning that I hope she stays addicted? Oh my, yes, it's absolutely. Yeah. You feel like a terrible person. And then I just feel like it, it took a long time before God was like, you wanting to fight for your son doesn't, you know, you can hope that she gets better from afar. Like that doesn't right. mean that she gets to step in and everything's whole again because there are natural consequences. But man, that limbo is hard. Um, yes. So how how has the rest of your family been dealing with this? How about your um your your bio kids and your husband? Right. So my bio kids are so great with her. Um, when we first got her, our youngest, he was, so he was three when we got her, he was just about to turn four and he was the baby of the family. And so he had a hard time adjusting, you know, he would, (laughs) I remember holding her on the couch, um, feeding her a bottle and he would say, Oh, you know, she smells the baby smells. (laughs) And it's so funny because now that he is like her number one fan. The, she's the most popular toy in our house. Um, everyone wants her love and affection. Um, and it's awesome seeing them all interact. Um, it's just great. She loves, we, you know, she goes with me to pick them up from school every day and she cheers for them at their soccer games. And now it's just like, she's, she's ours. And you know, the kids don't, they don't have this underlying fear you know, that they live with every day. They're just like, you know, we love her. And we've been super honest with them from the beginning, honest in like little kid terms. So what we've told them from the start is, you know, her mommy is sick and she's trying to get better. And if she gets better, she gets her back. And if she doesn't get better, you know, she gets to stay with us, which worked for a long time. But my eight-year-old is really like, why isn't she better yet, mom? Like what's going on? And so we've had some more in-depth talks with her. Um, but I mean, they all kind of, you know, we tell them like, yeah, we hope she gets to stay. 
and they seem, it's really, you know, kids, they don't think about it. They're just like, we love her and it's fine. You know, um, my husband has been so great. What's, what's awesome. What I didn't share in the beginning is that, you know, he was, well, I did share that he was like, what the heck are you talking about? We can't (laughs) take on another kid. Um, and he really, I mean, these, the like three years that it took us to finally say yes and, and go through the process was really just him and I, um, really kind of just walking through the idea of what would this look like? Um, his biggest fear was just inviting that trauma into our lives. He would say, you know, we have three healthy kids. We have a healthy family life. We're already busy with sports. And like, why would we do this? He just couldn't grasp why he would bring danger or, you know, the birth parents into the lives of, of our family. You know, it didn't make sense to him. And I get that, um, too. Um, so when we actually, before we brought her home, the social worker called me and told me, you're going to get these 10 hours of visitation. And I thought there's no way there's no way. I kind of felt like I'd been pushing this train this whole time. I was, I was definitely the leader of the whole, we're going to have a foster child thing. And when the 10 hours came, I just thought I can't do that to my family. How I don't have 10 hours a week to spend with her, you know, like I can't do that. And so I called my husband to tell him and he didn't answer. And I immediately went home and I packed up all the baby stuff that like friends had brought over. You know, they brought over like pack and plays and all the baby stuff. I like packed it up. I'm like, we can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And when he called me and I told him for the first time, that was really this pivotal moment of him saying, no, we said we're going to do this and now we're going to do it. Wow. And that's really like. I needed that from him and then getting it from him and not really having had that through this training process, I was like, okay, (laughs) you think we can do this? Then we can do this. And um, so I think for our marriage, it has been so awesome. I mean, it has brought on a lot of hardship, but that has not added any stress. He has been so great. I mean, you know, when I would tell him, like, I'm crying every day, I'm going to visitation. I don't want to do it anymore. And he would say, you know, Ashley, if you want, if you, if you want to be done, I'll support you. Do you think you need to be done? And I would tell him like, no, I, I feel this longing to hold on. I felt like during this month of, you know, really emotional wreckage that God was like, just hold on. I felt that so strongly. And my husband said, if that was, if, if that's what God is telling you, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to hold on. And so he's just been able to really support me in that. Um, my dynamic with birth mom is really hard because we really developed this relationship in the beginning, you know, for three months, we're hanging out all the time. I'm thinking she's, I don't want to say normal. I'm thinking she's sober and a great mom. I'm thinking there's no way I'm going to get this kid. Her mom's going to get her back. And my husband was always, he was always there. Like Ashley, don't believe everything she tells you. You know, you don't really know her. And the the truth is we are in this situation. So there is an issue somewhere. Maybe you're just not seeing, you know, really just kind of spoke truth into me of like, be cautious, you know? Um, so it's been, honestly, it's crazy. Cause I know foster care is so stressful, but it has not been stressful on our marriage in the sense of like, we're fighting and we're, it has, he has just been very good at, like bring calming me down, you know, I feel like, and also, you know, I'm the one doing a lot of the journey. I'm at the visitation. I'm transporting, I'm dealing with the social workers and mom, you know, he's, he's not really having to do any of that. He feels like his role is like, I will just support you. Um, so it's been, as far as our family goes, it's been great. You know, if we have to say goodbye to her, I know that's going to wreck our kids, but I also know like, we'll be okay. You know, we will, it will be hard, but one of the things that they teach us in your foster care training is, you know, you're an adult and it's okay for you to grieve. It's not okay for a child to be living a traumatic life. You know, it's okay for you to step in and love them and attach to them and then have to say goodbye. That's, that's more important, you know? So that's, you know, they, 
it's so hard. They say, you know, it's, it's better to have loved and lost. And that feels so impossible so much of the time. But we hear that in our foster care training too, that it is better to have loved and lost than to have not, you know, not right. so and not. And, um, I think I love the way you put it earlier when you're just so open and honest and you were like, and that really sucked because sometimes it just sucks oh, and yeah. there's no getting around it. There's no tying a pretty bow on it. There's, uh, there's no happy ending sometimes and it just sucks. And, um, it's crazy how God puts us in those situations and there's always a lesson in it somewhere, but that messy middle is the hardest place to be. So it sounds like you are so strong in that place. And I know you might not feel like that, but it, it sounds like as a, as a listener hearing your story, it sounds like you are keeping that positivity and that you're keeping an open an open mind or just taking things one day at a time, but how, what are some of the ways that you are getting through that just every day? Um, so one thing that is really great for me is talking about it like this. Um, I love, I love like spitting out all my feelings. Like <laughs> here's exactly how I'm feeling. Um, you know, there was one of my girlfriends. Um, so we don't really have a ton of friends that foster, obviously, you know, you kind of meet those people once you start to do it. Um, right. And, you know, they were great and they would, you know, really try to listen and encourage me, which is really what I needed. Um, but I remember telling one of my friends, you know, I'm just wrestling with God. I felt for a long time, like I was really mad, especially in those early stages of like, why did you give us this baby? Why this case? Like you knew what we wanted and I'm a busy mom with three other kids. So why are you asking me to babysit this other kid so her mom can get her back? You know, there were definitely times that I was super mad at God. And one of my friends just told me, make sure you let God know, keep that conversation open. And I think that that has really helped me through is those days when I'm crying on my way to visitation, I was telling God, I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I don't want this. I mean, I never tried to pretend like I was happy. I was very honest with how I felt in those moments. And I feel like that was really good for me to get out instead of saying, I should, I should just be happy and I should just take care of this baby. And obviously this is what God has has called us to. And so I'm just going to do it. I didn't do that. And I felt a lot of strength in just being super raw with God, you know, the one that has given us so many blessings to say, you know what? I don't like this one. I don't, I don't feel good about this and I'm not happy where we're at. And I honestly feel like talking like that is what allowed us to really survive, you know, the, the harder times. I'm, you know, that's been a a journey that I feel like I've been on the past couple of years too, is learning that God can take that, that that's not like, I feel like in our minds, we try to sugarcoat things and make them sound really pretty. And our prayers are just, we feel like ugly feelings have to be squashed down. And we're like, no, I know that that's not true. So I need to just talk myself out of it before I bring that to God. But I'm learning, like, it's not going to knock him off his throne to say, I'm really mad at you or I'm really angry. And it's, why do we do that? You know, but it sounds, it's just, oh, it's so great to hear that you've been able to do that and that that's been healing for you because I think that's exactly the point for it to be healing. Yeah. Um, I imagine another great coping mechanism for you has been what you do for a living, right? Yes. Um, So tell us about that. Okay. So um, I've always kind of, since being a stay-at-home mom, had some sort of uh, side hustle. And um, so one thing that I've been doing for a few years is buying my kids clothes on Amazon. Um, and I think that it's something that's definitely become more popular now. Um, but I would just find clothes for the kids on Amazon at, you know, great discounts, essentially almost like shopping the clearance rack in a store, but online. So I've always been a bargain shopper. It's something I love, but the more kids you have, the more annoying it is to be in a store and browse a a clearance rack. You know, it's just, it's not feasible at all. And then if you find things, maybe you're shopping for yourself, you find something you like going to a, going into a dressing room with all the kids is like, yeah, forget about it. You know, I wanted miserable. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yes. 
So I kind of started finding these deals on Amazon and you know, everyone knows I'm, I mean, nowadays I'm like, everybody has prime, right? We all do this. Now you can order your clothes online. They come to your house in two days. If they don't fit, you don't like them. You can send them back for free and the money goes back in your account. It's like, the greatest mom hack ever. Um, but what I've loved doing is kind of finding those clearance racks on Amazon. So say like my boy, he wanted running shoes for his birthday. So I like looked and looked and looked, found a pair of Nikes for 13 bucks. So I'm talking like good discounts. It has to be at least 50%. So I started, I started, I was doing this and I'd have friends, you know, they say, Oh, I like, you know, your shirt or whatever. I'm like, Oh, I got on Amazon. And they're like, you know, you're buying clothes on Amazon. I'm like, yes, I'm getting great clothes on Amazon. So I started up this Instagram where I just started sharing the deals. So, um, I'm working as what they call an affiliate of Amazon. So I post deals and I get a minimal, a very minimal percentage, um, (laughs) of the cost of the item, you know, comes to me. Um, which has just been a great way to get some extra money every month to help out with the kids sports or like, I don't know, you know, being a mom sometimes like I pick up the kids from school and it's like, I want to take y'all for ice cream and I don't want to have to tell dad we spent $20 on ice cream, you know, like (laughs) it's great to kind of have that extra cash, um, and to be able to do those things. And so that has been a ton of fun for me. I love doing that. And, um, you know, I branched, I branched out into other, other um, retailers like Nordstrom, other places that will have free shipping and good deals. That's my only criteria. Um, but when we got our foster care placement, I just really needed to, to talk about it. Um, and so I started blogging. So I, I went to college for journalism. Writing has kind of always been something that I've loved and it just became this therapy for me. So I'm posting these deals and I'm writing these blogs and I thought, I don't know. Can I mix the two? Can I do it? They don't really go together, but it's me and it's my life, you know? So I just started sharing some blogs and every time that I posted a blog, I had at least one person message me and say, I've been thinking about foster care and you've given me like, you know, the gusto or whatever, or you put it back in the forefront of my mind, or you've given me a way I think I can talk to my husband about it or whatever it is, um, which just felt so immensely rewarding of, I'm just doing something that's actually really helping me process what's going on in my life. And I'm sharing it and people are reading it. And now we're all kind of getting involved in this together to help, you know, kids that need a stable home. Um, and so once I kind of started to see the acceptance of that, um, I started getting even more vulnerable and like hopping on my stories and just saying, you know what, this is an issue I've been dealing with for like a week in regards to our situation. And I just put it out there. I think that a lot of times we like, like you kind of said, you know, we like to have this pretty package. We like to, you know, I went through something really hard and I dealt with it and now I'm reflecting and I see the lessons I learned and like, here's my package. But I've found it almost to be even more powerful to say, you know what? I am smack dab in the middle of this mess and I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'll be okay. And that has been like such a gift for me to say, you know what? I don't have to tie it all up. I don't have to make it look pretty. Foster care is really ugly. Sometimes this journey is freaking crazy. It's wild, you know, and to have the freedom to be super honest with how I'm feeling about that is, is great. So, um, now, you know, I'm doing the Amazon, I'm doing the affiliate deals and I'm getting some cash. And then I'm also able to just be super honest about our story. And I feel like it's kind of, for me, it's become the best of both, both worlds in the sense of I'm getting some money and I'm really being able to just kind of train my heart through this process. So, it's been kind of one of those things that came out of nowhere and has been a great gift. That's so cool. cool. And I feel like when you have, um, when you have something you're doing, but then you're also sharing your heart alongside it, it makes people want to jump on that. You know, people want Mm -hmm. to want to buy into what you're saying or want to support you or want to, 
you know, when you're being authentic and real and you're not just like, listen to my story and it's tight, it's so pretty or it's so, you know, it's right. very carefully put together or whatever, but you're like, right. you know, here's this brain dump and also here's some great boots you can buy or, you know, <laughs> <Right>. whatever. <laughs> People are like, totally. I'm tracking with you and I'm buying those boots. <laughs> No, I think you're totally, I've never thought about it like that, but now that you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're totally right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I mean, people like to hang out with people with like minds and I yeah. just, I don't know. I think it's really cool, but it, it's also, you know, great because when we get into foster care or adoption through foster care, you know, we get that subsidy package and it's not like, it's not a job. It's not income, you know, right, and, right. and then all of a sudden you have, you're way outnumbered with your children and you're like, okay, right. got to save money somehow, or I've got to figure out how to clothe all these kids or just right. whatever. Or sometimes you just need an outlet or you need to feel like you have control over something. And if it's spending, yes. then great. Yes. And so I imagine that this is a great, I don't know, a great outlet or tool or just whatever for so many foster and adoptive moms. And that has to be a huge percentage of the women you're helping, right? Yes. Um, so I mean, yeah, when I started, you know, it was just, it was all moms, you know? Um, so I use my Instagram used to be called mama likes a deal. Um, and it was all moms that would just, you know, yeah. And they would message me, Hey, Ashley, you know what? I need, I need rain boots or I need a coat. We're going to the snow or, Oh, it's summer and we have no shorts that fit. You know, can you help me find shorts? Um, and so it just kind of started as that. And then as I started sharing my foster care journey, I was able to really grab a lot more foster families and really even just the followers that I had sharing with people they knew, you know, it was almost like everyone knows somebody that fosters. Um, and so, or has thought about fostering and, you know, they were kind of helping bring those people in. So yes, it is definitely a great way for me to save money. I mean, I always use target as like my scale. Like if you can get it cheaper than you can get it at target and it's a name brand, like that's a no brainer. So, you know, Target has sweaters for, you know, 25 bucks. If I can find one on Amazon for 15 and it's like a $70 retail sweater, I'm going to get it. So I just get like a huge, yeah, (laughs) I get a huge thrill out of that. And, you know, it's something where, you know, I can track, I can see what people are buying, not like the individual person, but I can see, Oh, you sold like 50 of this sweater or whatever. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, people like this, like people are into this and it's helping moms save money for sure. You know, I could never afford this stuff at retail. Um, but it's been a ton of fun finding those deals and, you know, sharing them with people. And sometimes they only last a few minutes, you know, maybe like Amazon has like a couple listed at that price. And once three people buy it, it's gone. Um, but that's been fun too, you know, cause people message me like, Hey, that's not the price. <laughs> it's like, well, it was the price and some people bought it and it just opens that door for communication, yeah. you know? Um, and that's what's, I think it's crazy with social media nowadays, you know, the way that you can kind of connect with people, but I've connected so much with people over just that, you know, their kids, the deals, foster care. Um, it's been such an awesome outlet, um, that has just brought, yeah, it's just brought so much wealth to me, not in the sense of money, but you know, in the sense of just making me feel whole. Okay, you guys, as promised, here are the details for me and Ashley's giveaway. Ashley is going to send a two-pack of her very favorite designer dupe sunglasses to a lucky winner who follows both of us on Instagram, and the links to both of ours are in the show notes, and likes the post I'll share about the giveaway also on Instagram. You got to do all three, man. It's all in one place, so it's easy peasy, and you get some killer shades out of the deal. Um, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me, but I think we've made it pretty easy and we'll close this by next Monday before the next episode comes out. So get to, get to liking and all that stuff because you're going to want to be entered in this giveaway. All right, back to the show. So let's get real practical here. So I was looking on Facebook earlier. I was actually trying to find you on Facebook to add you. And I was looking at your, just your Facebook page and I was browsing through some of the pictures and I noticed that someone commented and was like, 
you know, are there any updates? It's Christmas shopping time and there's no, and you were like, we just got our foster placement or whatever. I don't know how I found that because I didn't oh, go that far funny. back. It was like in one of the recent photos that came. I don't oh, know. Yes, but anyway, right. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, mom's worst spending nemesis are like birthday parties, Christmas, you know, all these little yep. things. So tell, you know, do you have some of those like the, you know, gift guides or anything that you post around those times? Cause as of this recording, it's past Christmas, but Right. You you got birthday parties coming up or there's always next year. So, right. Yes. So during the holidays, I definitely do gift guides that year though. I didn't, I took (laughs) a couple month break, um, because newborn, you know, it's like no sleep ever. Um, and I was just swamped with emotion. (laughs) So (laughs) I took a break then, but this last year I did do some gift guides, um, on what to get for different people. Um, and even now it's like Valentine's day. I posted a couple of things today. I posted, um, they, their Nordstrom sell these, sells these makeup eraser towels. And it's like a towel that you just get wet and it takes all the makeup off your face. I have one. They're awesome. And they have like cute little Valentine themed ones for 40% off. And it's not even Valentine's Day yet. So like I posted those like, oh, what a great idea for like a girlfriend or a coworker. Are you going to have a Galentine's party? You know, no, I'm always posting. It's not just clothes. I definitely post things throughout the year um, that I just feel like other people would love. Definitely beauty and makeup stuff a lot. Um, but yeah, or any good, what is it? I mean, you know, I've got some like even go-to products that I love, like, um, charcoal toothpaste for whitening your teeth. I've got Ooh. these eye drops that whiten the, the whites of your eyes, like just a lot of stuff. I've got one of the like top bot things is this, um, supplement that you can take before you go like out on the town for a night. If you're going to have some cocktails, because I don't know about you, but before I had kids, I could put them away. And once I had kids, it's like, I go have two drinks and I have a headache in the morning and you know, there's no time for mama to have a headache in the morning. It's like, we're (laughs) up at 6am. So I found these pills. It's called drink well, and you take them before you go out drinking, you know, you, you drink. And then when you come home, you take them again before bed. I feel great. Like tomorrow, for example, my husband and I are going to a wedding. I will take them because literally it's like, I'll have two drinks and my body like rejects it. I don't know what happens. It's like, do you you not know that you have four kids? (laughs) Right. My body is like, no, please. No, we're waking up soon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but that's been, so yeah, not just clothes. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. I'm not just posting like fashion stuff. There's just practical products that I feel like moms, you know, could use. I, I use them. They work for me. So I love to share them. Yeah. Well, and clothes are so great. I was just thinking that, you know, as, as foster and adoptive moms, mainly who are listening to this podcast, that's such a great resource to be like, Oh, there's a birthday party coming up. Great. Yes. Let's look for decor because, right. you know, who, like uh, that stuff stacks up, you know, you're like, you want a totally. trolls party. Okay. $300 <laughs> right. later. Or, I know. You know. Right. Yes. No, totally. That's so awesome. Okay. So what, I mean, I want to talk later about like where we can follow you and how we can okay. get in on all of that stuff. Um, but I had a, so I, I posted on Facebook and Instagram just not that long ago. So there wasn't a ton of time for people to reply with questions, but I did have someone ask, what is the best deal you've ever gotten? Ooh, I think the best deal I've ever gotten is, um, I got some, all leather over the knee boots for $23. And they're like what? name brand. No, they retailed, I think probably like one ninety, and I got them for 23 bucks. That's probably like my best deal. Cause that's something that I like, I will keep those forever. They're leather, they're good quality, you know? Yeah. I think that's probably my best deal. <laughs> oh my, I'm like reeling. That's all. That's amazing. <laughs> I, people were people were not happy with me because that I bought it and the price went right up. And so (laughs) I just kind of shared like, look at me, look what I got. And people were like, no, we don't want to hear about what you got. If we can't get it, you know, they tease me a little about that. So I'm more careful in sharing deals that aren't available anymore, but that is definitely my best deal. I don't know, girl. I say you brag. I'm imagining you sitting behind your computer, like silently, you know, just fists in the air. Like, yes. You know what the order, the, that, that is like the first half. And then the second half is when it comes and you're like, 
they are like, you know, because sometimes I'm like, well, did somebody type leather and they're really not. And right. did, you know, when the price is so good, you know, like my mom always, you know, every parent said if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So it's always like, I'm like on edge until it comes. And then I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh. Oh, I love it. Okay. So I want to, so switching back into like foster care and adoption stuff, I want to ask you some of these closing questions. So, um, what do you wish someone had told you at the beginning of this journey? I love this question because I wish like it happened. No one told me anything because I think the reality is it is so much, I don't, I honestly don't know if I would have said yes, if I would have known, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of one of those things. I'm glad we're here and I knew it would be hard and people told us it would be hard, but I didn't imagine the ways in which it would be hard. And I think it's hard. I'm thinking, you know, for any foster or adoptive placement, it's just, it's hard to know. But, um, honestly, um, I don't know. I think it's, um, Jason, there's, um, an Instagram, an Instagrammer. He's a foster dad. He's an advocate. He is, uh, Jason M Johnson. And I think he says it, he says it is the mercy of God that we don't know the details of our foster care story before we get them. And I'm like, it's so true. Cause yeah, I don't know. Would you say yes to all that? You know, it's, I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, I've talked a lot about on this podcast and other episodes about not understanding the way that it would be hard. Because I think yeah. our brains are just infinitely tiny human brains are thinking yes. surface. You know, we're like, sure, we'll get no sleep. Sure, it'll suck when our, you know, teen does something stupid and we have to pick them up from the, you know, police station or just whatever. Like we're thinking yes. so surface. We're not thinking like yes. it's going to wreck your soul. Yeah, because there's no we have no um, way to connect with that feeling because before, I mean, unless we've had a significant trauma in another way in our lives, right? You know, our first world brains don't have a way of connecting there, and so it's. I always say that you know, I wish I'd known the way that it would be hard, but I don't know that I could have even if somebody had yes. told me. Because even you know, people right. are like, "It's gonna be hard," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure," you know. Yes. No, I think, yeah, that's perfect. I think people said it's hard. And like you said, I don't, uh, my brain can't comprehend that. And I was like, oh, it's hard. Well, we do hard things in this family, you know, like we got this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, the soul wreckage, you know, happens and you're like, I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Why did nobody tell me? And yeah, I wouldn't have believed you. I don't know. No. Yeah, I think so. Oh man. Okay. So what is something you wish you'd done differently? Um, you know what? I, I thought about this. I think about this question and I have a really hard time answering it in the sense of, I'm just not, I don't think like that. I'm really kind of a, everything happens for a reason. You can find good in everything and I don't have any regrets. Um, you know, I really don't. Um, I could think of like, well, when I was Madison, and I screamed at God and it's like, no, that was actually really good for me. You know, I didn't like crying on the way to visitation, but the crying was also good for me. You know, yeah. I needed to get that out. So I honestly don't, I don't think that I would have done. Well, you know what? I could say this. I got super scared and nervous anytime I was having to see her mom. And now looking back, I wish I, I wish I hadn't, I wish I could have just relaxed and gone into that easy, but it all worked out. Okay. You know, and we've, we found our, you know, we found what makes our relationship work now and, and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you through this journey? I know you talked earlier about getting a lot of baby shower type things. Is there? Yes. Um, you know what? So I will say what has been great is going through an FFA, a foster family agency. So, which is, is free. I originally tried to go through the County and, um, the classes were always full. I could never get in. And so I was like kind of lamenting to one of my friends and she knew someone who'd fostered. And this person told us about, well, go through a foster family agency. It's just kind of this additional level of support you get. And you it's, it's free. They get compensated by the County for placing a baby. So, 
Um, so yeah, we go through the FFA and so we go through all our classes kind of with the same group of people. Um, and so we're seeing them, you know, multiple times in a year. And then we did this big weekend class where we were together for like 12 hours over the weekend. And, uh, we all kind of exchanged numbers and there were, there were these three girls that I just really connected with and going into something brand new alongside people going into that same thing brand new also is a, it's such a blessing, yeah. you know, because we were all kind of going through it at the same time. And I feel this and they, they were feeling that same way, just having people that we could relate to. Um, because I know that's not something that most people have, you know, you're kind of the first person, you know, that's going through it, or you might like know one person's friend's friend did it, you know? Um, but yeah, being able to go through that and just support each other. We, um, we get together for dinner, like once every two months and, um, talk, but we text like every week, just what's everyone's case update? Who had court this week? And, you know, one of us, we all kind of got our placements at the same time. And one of them is on the road to adoption now. And, and one of them just, uh, her placement reunified. And we all went through that together because that's a, you know, a fear that, that we all have. And so to be able to support each other through that, um, you know, I feel like we got really lucky because, you know, I didn't know anything about going through an FFA. I didn't, you know, I might not have had this group of people to kind of go through. So it's been great having people, you know, getting their system shocked at the same time as me. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting. I've never heard it called that. I think that in our area, we have something called the call and it's probably very similar to an FFA. Mm. FFA. That's what we trained through. Um, I don't, oh, okay. I don't know that they get funding from the county, but, um, I had never heard of it called like that. And so it's really neat that, um, that you guys have something like that out there oh, as well. That's so funny. Yeah. So there are actually like a ton of them in our, in our area. Um, and it is, so I get like my own caseworker through our FFA. So wow. she, she will often work with the social worker. Um, so that works in our, in my benefit, in the sense of before court, my worker, my caseworker from our FFA is calling our baby's attorney and giving an update on the case. They kind of advocate for you like that. But if you have an FFA, the county offers you no support. They are not helping with visitation. They're not offering transportation. They are like, you are the FFA's responsibility now. Um, and I didn't know that. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea. Nobody told us that, you know, so we figured that out the hard way. But now our FFA has been incredible. You know, they've really been able to help get us into these visitation centers and stuff like that. Um, but that's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's only maybe it's a California thing. I don't know. I love hearing what people's experiences are training in other states because it's just so interesting to hear the differences. Right. But, um, yes. Yeah. Um, the flip side of my question before is what is the way that you felt misunderstood or hurt by your tribe or just your family or people around you? And I always ask that question and people struggle with it because they're like, I don't want to talk bad about anyone. But I think that our support systems, they want to know what they're doing that's not helping or what they could do. But, you know, so what would be your biggest just piece of advice for those people? Like don't definitely don't do this. Um, I think the biggest misunderstanding that I get with our family and our close friends is people will say something like, well, you're a better mom. Why don't they just give her to you? They don't understand like the court process. And I understand they're trying to be kind to me, but it's also really frustrating of like, it doesn't work like that. They don't just take people's kids from them. You know, this is like, they've got to go through the process. And so instead, sometimes when people respond like that, I feel like they're not listening to me. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear my story. They're just like, well, why didn't you get the baby already? Why isn't she yours already? Why haven't you adopted her yet? And, and also it, it bothers me because I love our baby's mom. You know, we, our relationship is is different, but I don't want to talk ill of her. I don't want other people to think, oh, you know, she's a piece of crap or something like that. You know, she is a real woman, a real mother with very, very sad addiction issues. You know, it, I feel like this is something that should break their heart instead of just kind of wishing it away of like, well, you know what, just take her away from her and give her to you. You know, I mean, the reality is like, we live in a very broken world and the brokenness is all around us if we open our eyes to see it. And so often I feel like 
our family, friends, people, they don't want to see it. And it's, it's there, you know, and it's, yeah, it's super easy to say, yeah, I'm a better, I'm a, I could give her a better life. You know, that's what people tell us a lot. You have a house and a backyard and other kids and you would give her such a better life. And it's like, you know, being the best mom isn't, it's not really about that, you know? So I think just the kind of like wishing away her mom, that's hard. Cause I can't just wish her away. She's going to be a very real part of our life for a very long time. And I want our baby to grow up. If we get to keep her, I want her to grow up, you know, knowing that her mom loved her deeply and to never doubt that. So I feel like sometimes our family and friends can kind of get in the way of, they just kind of bad talker, wish her away and that's it. And sometimes that, that might even be what we want to hear as, as moms of kids from, from trauma, or from brokenness, you know, we, it might feel nice in that moment, but then in the end, we know that that's not true or that that's not right. And so it almost just, it's, it's like, you know, it's what, like I said, it's just, it's what you want to hear in the moment, but it's not actually helping things. Right. Yeah. So I totally get that. Um, okay. What is your favorite foster or adoption resource? Okay. I'm going to say, I mean, outside of our, our FFA where we've just met a huge group of people. I mean, that has really just supported us through that. Um, I mentioned earlier though, um, just following other people on Instagram that are, they're right in the midst of it too. They totally get it. Um, so Jason M Johnson, he's one of them. He just, he goes around and speaks at churches and really kind of amps up the level of involvement in foster care. And I love that. And, um, he posts these quotes that just, I mean, every time he posts one, I save it. I'm like, yes, I'll save it in a folder for, you know, when I'm crying on the way to visitation or something, you know? (laughs) Um, so that, and then there's just other foster moms I've found on Instagram that are, you know, there's one mom I follow. She's been trying to, for like six years, she's been trying to adopt and none of her placements have stuck. And just to follow her through that trauma, she's also super open about it. It's just, Yeah. I mean, social media is awesome because it can connect you with people that are right there in the dumps with you, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to need to, I wrote down Jason's information because I want to look him up because I don't know about all of these people, but I need to increase my followers apparently. (laughs) I mean, my following list, not my followers. I mean, increasing my followers is always nice, but (laughs) no. Yep. (laughs) Um, Okay. So if you could just wrap it all up, what is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement to families like yours? I, my biggest advice is you can do it. I think that we're really in this age of, you know, I've heard the phrase, you can do hard things. It's come around so much. Um, but we were really in the depths of a place where we seriously contemplated giving up, you know, just saying, I can say I have the power. All it takes is me saying, I don't want to do it anymore. And a social worker will come to my house and take her like the, the way to solve the problem is so easy. Mm. Um, but I think just that reminder of you can do it. Um, and seeing other people do it, seeing these other, you know, the Instagram accounts or whatever people that I'm following them doing it is just really refreshing. It's kind of like, you know, when, before you have your first baby, if you've had a baby, you know, or something, I don't know, something where you don't know what to expect. Right. But the reality is people have been doing it for centuries and you're not, it's just scary to you. I feel like that with foster care, it seems so scary to have to have your heart broken, your soul ripped out, but man, people have been doing this for hundreds of years. And it's just really helpful for me to remind myself, like if they can do it, I can do it. You know, it feels like we can't, but we can, we can do it. And if you convince yourself that you can do it, you will. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's like a really, that works really well for me. I'm really motivated by that. Like, okay, other people did it. I can do it. I don't know if that works for everyone. (laughs) Absolutely. I think there's, there's a competitive nature in all of us, you know, and whether we (laughs) want to think of it as competitive or not, when you're like, are you really going to lay down when all these other people, (laughs) Right. No, I'm just like other people have done it. So where do you rank? You can do it. You know, I know I am really competitive. That's one of my, I don't want to say a flaw, but it is a no girl. That is, that is that. an asset. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. My husband like will barely play games with me. Because oh my gosh. Yes. When somebody oh wants God. to play catchphrase, he's like, I'm not sitting by her. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Yep. You speak right to my heart. That is me. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I feel you. Um, okay, so we definitely want to get some deals. So where can we find those? Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram. I am at Ashley Peters. So Ashley is with two E's, A-S-H-L-E-E. And then I have two underscores right next to each other. And then my last name, Peters, P-E-T-E-R-S. But if you type in Mama Likes a Deal, that's not like my screen name, but it's in my profile. So if you type in Mama Likes a Deal, like you have on your board back there, um, then then I'll come up right there. So I also, you know, everything I post on Instagram goes to my Facebook, which my Facebook is Mama Likes a Deal, but Facebook doesn't have the awesomeness of like, you know, I'll link things in my story. So I'll post a picture of a deal. You swipe up, it takes you there. Facebook doesn't do that. So you can follow me on Facebook, but not as awesome. My website is mamalikesadeal.blog because Ooh. obviously the .com was taken. So <laughs> I don't know who on earth can have that one because it is taken by you. <laughs> so yeah, if you go to mamalikesadeal.blog, so I've got, um, I'll post deals on there. Um, not as many as my Instagram. Instagram is definitely the hub of the deals, but all my foster care blogs are at mamalikesadeal.com. So every once in a while, I have people that'll say, I just went to your blog and sat there for like an hour reading all your stories. And um, so there's a lot more information about our foster care our foster care story there. I've kind of answered a lot of my followers' questions of like, how did you get your husband on board? What does, you know, a relationship with a birth parent look like? You know, not, you know, there was some stuff I didn't get to touch all on. Um, but those are on my blog. So, ah, girl, I'm so excited to like, I don't know, start, start saving, start following your, your stuff more closely. And and I've been following you for a little bit now and it's really, you're just such a source of positivity while also dealing with hard things. And Mm -hmm. I want to encourage everyone to like, stop what you're doing right now and go follow her. So thank you. Oh yeah. And I'm just so thrilled that you're doing this interview. Thank you so much for sharing your voice and your, your, uh, experience with my listeners. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. This is, this is my first podcast. Um, but it's also just like, oh my gosh, I love talking with other people that get it. I love sharing the hard stuff with other people that get it. Um, and it's just been awesome to be able to have that kind of platform. So thank you so much for letting me be a part of your podcast. Oh, of course. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.